It is Don and Steve in the morning, minus the Don part. She is off today, but glad that you are here joining us this morning. And uh, we've got a lot that we're going to get to over the next little bit. We're going to spend some time taking a look at what it would mean if we really took seriously to be crucified with Christ. So we're going to spend a little time talking about that. We're going to be joined by a couple of people who are active and working in Hollywood and uh, the Christian uh, film and, and industry. So... One of the guys, he is one of the directors uh, working with The Chosen. Another has brought a number of uh, stories and screenplays to life, working with Adventures and Odyssey. So looking forward to some of these conversations as well as hearing from you. You can always participate. Love to hear from you. You can text in this morning, 800-555-7898. That is 800-555-7898 to be a part of this morning's program. That's a great way to connect. Donna's off today. She is uh, out this week. As uh, you probably know, if you're a regular listener to the program, she and her uh, youngest daughter are actively involved in a play. And so this is Tech Week for them, and uh, we'll be back on Monday. Looking forward to seeing that performance over this weekend. So I'm asking you, join the conversation. Love for you to, uh, in a sense, grab that chair, pull up a seat, and be a part of the program. Again, you can uh, text in this morning at 800-555-7898. We've talked quite a bit about revival over the past number of days here with what's been going on at Asbury and now at other parts around the country. And uh, I got a great email from Chris in uh, Virginia the other day. And, you know, Chris is a regular texter to the program, but Chris uh, just appreciated your thoughts on this. And he said, I know this topic of revival has come to the forefront because of what's been happening at Asbury, but I think it'd be good for us to consider how God has moved in this nation. He says, uh, I've noticed that a lot of times we're not crying out to God like wholeheartedly, sincerely asking for revival. It may be a part of our prayers, but how are we begging God for revival? You said that, yeah, I've always believed that everything rises and falls on leadership. So how has the pastors of our churches all across the nation led their congregations each week with desperation concerning revival? He said, I know many say that revival cannot be manufactured, but as you look at Scripture, it says that there are things that we can do. For example, are we humbling ourselves? That's something we can do, right? When Scripture says, when my people seek my face, isn't that something we can do? We can seek God's face. If we'll turn from our wicked ways, like we read about in Second Chronicles 7.14, that's something we can do, right? Put away our sin, turn from that. What about things that we can actually do? Are we going to God? Are we at that point of desperation where we're crying out to God? Nothing else matters but seeing God move. Unfortunately, so many of our churches, so many of us, are just kind of going through the motions. We say we want revival, but are we asking, pleading, begging with God for revival? Are we turning away from evil and humbling ourselves? He said, another reason why we need revival is to ignite our light. I agree with you about that. So what are we doing? Churches, what are we doing as individuals? Are we crying out to God, asking that he would bring just personal revival in our lives and then corporate revival in our churches? And how might that impact our nation? Well, we are uh, glad that you are with us this morning. It is Don and Steve in the morning, and as we do each weekday morning, we're going to head to the Word today. We're looking at uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. 
and says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, the Christian life is an exchanged life. Jesus' life for your life. When Christ takes control, your life takes on dimensions that you never would have known apart from him. When you're weak, then Christ demonstrates. He demonstrates his strength in your life, as it talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. When you face situations that are beyond your comprehension, you only have to ask. And the infinite wisdom of God is available to you, like it talks about in James chapter 1. When you're faced with humanly impossible situations, God does the impossible. When you encounter people who you find difficult to love, God expresses his unconditional love through you. When you're at a loss as to what you should pray for someone, the Spirit will guide you in your prayer life. When Christ takes up residence in the life of a believer, all the fullness of God is available to that person, as it talks about in Ephesians 3. You know, it is a marvelously freeing thing to know that God controls your life. God knows what it can become. And rather than constantly worrying about what you will face, your great challenge is to continually release every area of your life to God's control. You know, the temptation is going to be to try and do by yourself what only God can do. I think that's part of living in the tension of the Christian life. God calls us to be active. He calls us to move. He calls us to serve. He calls us to do things. But sometimes we try and do more than what God has called us to do. So what is our assignment? To abide in the vine. To allow God to do in and through us what only He can do. John 15, 5. Only God can be God. Are we grateful for that? You know, when we understand that, when we allow him to live out his divine life through us, it's incredible what he will do. And he is the only person who can. If you want a copy of this morning's devotional, we'd love to get that to you. Simply text the word DEVO, D-E-V-O, text that to 800-555-7898. Again, that's 800-555-7898. The keyword is DEVO. Or you're going to find this linked at our Facebook page. On Facebook, just looking for Don and Steve in the morning. Well, we are glad that you are with us this morning and uh, an important conversation coming up in, well, right now as we welcome David Peterson to the program. David is an ordained pastor, board certified chaplain, over 30 years of experience. In 1994, he founded Shepherd Staff Pastoral Services, able to provide spiritual care to thousands via chaplains that he's trained and placed at long-term care facilities across the U.S., written a book entitled Journey to Forgiveness, Milestones to Freedom. David, welcome. It is good to have you with us this morning. Steve, thanks for having me on. You know, forgiveness is something that uh, we read about in Scripture, and uh, we know that as followers of Christ, we probably should forgive, but sometimes forgiveness is hard to come by when the wounds have been super, super deep. Why is forgiveness so important besides the fact that in Scripture we're, we're told we should? Well, we're, we're told we should, 
So that gives us an idea that in doing that, we're going to find a blessing in it. Uh, when we forgive, we we literally have an opportunity to unchain ourselves or unhook ourselves from the offender. Uh, it's a unilateral forgiveness. And um, in our Western culture, we usually want to, you know, if we're told to do something, we want to know why. Mm -hmm. But in Hebraic culture, it is to do and then come to experience, um, you know, the benefit of forgiving. And so when we do experience that benefit, what, what is that benefit going to be? So what we do is we go from a place of bitterness, all the things that keep us enchained to our offender, um, bitterness, anger, rage, um, a lack of peace, um, uh, inability to focus. It frees us up so that way we can focus and reap the benefits of not only self-peace, but enhanced relationships with those that are so, so important, our, our spouses, our kids, our family, um, be able to have the clarity of mind to focus on our work. So, David, do I hear you saying that sometimes it could be an offense from long ago? It could be uh, somebody who's not even really a part of our life anymore, but if we don't learn to forgive, that's going to impact the current relationships that we're in and potentially fracture those. Exactly. Um, how long do we want to hang on to that old baggage? Um, you know, or set it behind. Are we, you know, how can we go about the process of releasing it into the hands of someone who can actually do something about it? And also, you know, if that person has offended you or perhaps the drama and sometimes it extremely deep um, keeps coming to mind, Perhaps the Lord is trying to show us where he was and what he was doing in the process of that so that way we can move on and move forward in complete healing from him. Only he can is able to bring about the long-lasting comfort and peace we need. So true, but yet we can often struggle to get there. And this is a journey that you yourself have uh, had to walk. You've written a book describing it as such, Journey to Forgiveness. And uh, I so appreciate the title because I think that is so true. So uh, so often it is a journey. Uh, I'd love to know a little bit of your story. How did God kind of walk you from that wounding that you experienced to a place where you could forgive? Well, you know, everybody has a trauma, and I open in the book, um, Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom, uh, and acknowledge everybody has a trauma, and I wanted to be real, and I wanted to be very transparent, and uh, with that, um, I was born with a, a condition, neurological condition called essential tremor, and um, uh, so the effect of that is um, <laughs> tremors that uh, extend to my hands and my arms. And sometimes it's more pronounced, whether it's because I'm lack of sleep or uh, maybe under extra stress or whatever. And in the process of growing up with that, I've, even from a young age, I've had folks ask me, are you going through DTs? I'm like, hmm. I'm only nine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think it's DTs. Or do you have Parkinson's? And, and so being mislabeled and even anywhere from fellow students to even teachers 
at times were absolutely brutal. And there was such a lack of understanding back then. And I'm I'm really pleased because organizations have really done a lot to move that forward. So that was that was a frustration to deal with. But also when I was um 11, I experienced uh, I was targeted by a neighborhood pedophile. Mm. And um and I'm not sure how much of that actually had to do with my tremors or what, but you know, um come to realize that I truly was targeted and uh, this this guy utilized um alcohol um uh, pornography and affirmation um feeding on curiosity as well as that need for um affirmation at a particular time when I was very very vulnerable mm-hmm. and um we're coming to find out that one in six men have experienced a childhood um, sexual abuse encounter and one in four women. If we break that down in our congregations or even our workplace and we just get an idea because broken, uh, broken men uh, are usually have a wounding in their childhood. So much of our you know, what we know is so much of our personalities and development happens from one to 10 years of of age, and they cast an imprint upon us. So the woundings we encounter early in life, we frequently carry with. And sometimes that uh, plays itself out in terms of self-medication, you know, damaged souls, damaged spirits, which affects our relationships as we grow up and our abilities to focus on our work or focus on the relationships we have with our spouses and our kids. Um, and so what we have is we have so many broken and wounded people Yeah. and getting to that. How do we go about forgiving? How many times has your pastor ever said, well, oh, okay, you've got to forget. But well, okay, great. How do you forgive? And that's what I've hopefully tried to answer in this. Well, I'm so glad that you uh, kind of teed up that question because we're going to come back and continue to talk about what that looks like. How do we forgive? What is that journey that David writes about in his book, Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom? And glad that you are with us as the conversation continuing with David Peterson David is uh, an ordained pastor. He's been in ministry for quite some time here. He's an author, speaker. In 1994, he founded Shepherd Staff Pastoral Services, providing spiritual care to thousands via chaplains that he's trained and placed at long-term care facilities across the U.S. He's written a book that we're talking about this morning, Journey to Forgiveness. And David, you were uh, sharing your story with us of some of the uh, deep wounds that you experienced in, in childhood, including being targeted by a pedophile, and you get to a point in life where you realize that self-medication isn't cutting it anymore, and sometimes that self-medication uh, allows us to, man, do, go down some dark roads and dark paths, and we end up hurting ourselves even more, hurting those around us potentially, and we're often brought to this point of, man, I know I need to forgive, but I don't know how. That, that wounding, that pain, that everything was so deep, and I know God says I should forgive, but David, I can't do it. How do we get there? Yeah, I, 
I really think that the the process is likened to uh, the twelve step program. You're realizing we can't do it on our own. That we got a problem. We can't do deal with it on our own. And uh, I have the world's absolutely most fine, outstanding, best wife in the whole wide world. Um, and uh, I, I would say I was around 35, and yeah, I'd been through the counseling, and I, I, I was ordained, so I should be fixed, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and and um, I just remember, you know, getting up in the morning and putting my feet on the ground and going, "Lord, you got to rein in on me. Uh, I have inner hurts, and this is playing itself out." around me and it was at that point that i had to realize that there really is a lot of truth between the addiction cycle and what i was encountering because inside of me i don't be look look like a pretty peaceful guy especially around other folks but inside this rage was um churning up it was literally like a nuclear power plant inside of me of rage and anger and bitterness and so um i went to my pastor and i said do you have any ideas i have you know how to deal with with this and he gave me three ways of being able to cope with it and you know like i said the first thing i realized is god this is something i need to bring before you hmm and and lay it before you and i'm i'm going to have to do this every day if not multiple times during the day to break this and break the cycle and so another way was um that i was taught was as soon as somebody comes to your mind is just to speak out loud because there's something powerful about speaking it out loud um and that was basically to say something like um, I release you from my judgment when that person that hurt you comes to mind. I release you from my judgment. And then um, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And so re- I release that person to God. Now, if somebody is in an abusive you know, cycle with someone, they need to stop that, you know, break out of that. They there's nothing good in hanging out with that. Um, so, you know, I release you from my judgment. I, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So it began a process of identifying different things that worked. It may not work for everybody all the time, but it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I just started to find additional things that helped me along the way. and. And so I'm walking in more and more freedom. And then, you know, uh, I just just retired from 20 years of part-time hospice chaplaincy. Yeah. And toward the end of, of my hospice work, I encountered a gal who had a lot of inner hurt that she was carrying, a lot of brokenness. She was my age. And um, she said, how do you forgive? And that's where it got real because she's my age. She's getting, she's getting ready to pass, and she's asking how how do I how do you heal? And I just started and I go well. I've got these three ways, and there's more. I've always meant to write them down. She goes, 
well, why don't you? <laughs> yeah. So, so it was like, well, how do you argue with someone who's getting ready to go see Jesus? Right. And, you know, and it gets real. And so we started over the next weeks of every time we'd get together, we'd talk about a different way until there was like 21. But I, in the process, it came, you know, came to realize that our ability to ruminate is second to none. Mm -hmm. to go back upon that. And it has to do with the way that we make memories and the way memories are etched into our, our, you know, we'll say a memory drive and how we can go back to that. And what we need is we need, and this is one of the, one of the 21 uh, milestones is when those memories come back, ask Jesus, where were you? What were you doing? Mm -hmm. What do you want me to know about that? And show me. And frequently, the Lord will give you an image or show something to you that you need to know and come to realize perhaps he wants to redeem that. I absolutely believe he wants to redeem that. Yeah. Somehow. And thankfully, we have a God who is in the uh, redemption business, but sometimes it it can be uh, so challenging in the midst of the healing of those wounds, to, to face that, to look at that, and to stand on and claim those promises and, and to live in that. So appreciate uh, the fact, David, that you've written this book, Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom. Um, we're going to continue the conversation with David coming up in just a few minutes. But if you want to get connected with him, go check out this website, davidpetersonbooks.com. We'll put that on the Facebook page. If you uh, don't remember that, we'll link you to that, davidpetersonbooks.com. We'll continue talking about this journey to forgiveness coming up in three minutes here on Moody Radio. Hey, we're glad you're with us as we continue the conversation with David Peterson, pastor, author. He's written the book entitled Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom. And David, uh, we have just a few minutes left together here, and I so appreciate you diving into this topic of forgiveness because I think so many of us wrestle and struggle with this. You talked about the fact that one of the things that you had to learn to do was to let go and to give up, in a sense, your uh, right to justice. And and I think some of us may struggle with that. You said, wait, if I forgive, is the offender getting away with it? Am, am, are they going to be able to just be able to walk away from uh, wounding me in this way? How, how do we how do we deal with that? Well. You know, first off, if the way you've been wounded uh, requires the law and, you know, authorities, um, that that really needs to occur. Um, you're the person who wounded you, whether <laughs> major or minor way, uh, to release them and release them into the hands of the Lord. You don't know how the Lord is going to see them or what journey they have been on with the Lord. Um, like I said, so much of the way we function as adults is based on the first 10 years of our lives. So we could actually, the folks that you know rub us or hurt us, we never know what that person has encountered in their life. And that, you know, I always say hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And frequently just maybe even unaware of it. Or maybe you're dealing with a narcissist who doesn't have the capacity to, ide to identify with another person's feelings and their hurts. Um, 
to entrust them into the hands of the Lord who does know. So one of one of the 21 ways is uh, to envision that person perhaps as a three-year-old with the hopes and dreams that were ahead of them. And because it may be hard to forgive them in their adult state because they're an idiot or whatever. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and uh, like the rest of us bobbling around, you know, and perhaps see them as a, a three-year-old and, you know, like maybe it's easier to forgive them in a three-year-old state. I, you know, so I just throw a different light on it. Yeah, and and sometimes going back and realizing that those people who hurt us they themselves have been wounded people, it can help, and, and that's so true. Um, if we forgive, does that mean we have to reconcile? Yeah, we're talking about a unilateral forgiveness, and our ability to reconcile with them may never occur this side of heaven. But it does at least mean to release them in uh, from having to take up that space in your brain. I don't know about you. I don't want anybody taking up space in my brain that's not paying for it. Right. You know, <laughs> if yep. you're taking up space in my brain, you better be renting from me. You know, and you know, aside from that, we just don't need it. <laughs> Well, David, I know that there is uh, a lot more in the book Journey to Forgiveness. In the last minute that we have here, to the person who feels stuck, what's the first step? You know, a lot of pastors and folks, well-meaning, will say you have to forgive. They don't tell you how to forgive. And I really tried to get real with my story, also with the brain science. We didn't even have a chance to chat about that. Right. The brain science, the the things, the chemistry going on, the dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin, all those things that uh, really do play a role in the forgiveness. And so um, being able to go to the Lord and have some tools, um, and that's what I've really tried to do, have some equip folks with some tools that will help them to be able to forgive. Yeah. You might be uh, in the middle of that right now. And we have barely scratched the surface of uh, all that David is addressing in his book, journey to forgiveness, 21 milestones to freedom. Want to connect you with him. It's davidpetersonbooks.com. And we'll put that link on the Facebook page. David, appreciate your time this morning. It is Don and Steve in the morning.